we're in a series called More or Less, and I know it doesn't seem like we're in a series because I've been out for a little bit, but we are in a series, and we're in this series because it's about the time of year where our, our goals and our resolutions for the new year have moved from, I will be up at 5 a.m. on the treadmill to, if I could just walk on my lunch break, that will count, and we'll call it good, more or less. And we've moved to that stage of resolutions for some of us where we're saying, I am going to make a budget and I'm going to tell my dollars where they go. And you're now uh, coming to terms with a hard reality. Maybe you got a statement this week or you'll receive one this coming week where you realize that it is not that much different than the statement that you got last month. And you're saying, I am going to make a budget and more or less tell my dollars where to go probably sometimes. All of us have the difficult task of balancing the reality that we live in with what we know we should be doing and what we can be doing. And in the case of today, we're talking about forgiving more or less, sharing grace more or less. Has anyone here ever been a little bit pregnant? Can't do it. Can't, cannot, you can't be a little bit pregnant. Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, our King and ruler, He redeemed our lives. So uh, when we say that we're going to be under Him and make Him our King and leader, then we need to follow the rules, don't we? We need to do what He says. And, and I remember Jesus saying some things like, you should forgive 70 times what, church? 70 times seven. Or you should go the extra mile. Or if you're struck on the cheek, you should turn the other. You guys all know it the same as I know it. It's just that the implementation is rather difficult when you are on the interstate and you've been in the lane you were supposed to be in for quite some time, waiting very patiently, and comes up someone else. And uh, my wife is actually in here now, so I have to be very honest about this. But none of this sort of no motions with my hands or arms happened. But Boy, was I preaching a sermon on things that you should do rightly, like merging long ago. I was very upset, and it was one of those times, I don't know, parents, if you have times when kids are in the car and they're not in the car, and there's like the real you and there's the parent you, I was very frustrated with that person. And it wasn't until we were coming home, and you know, the, the state or Interstate 64, uh, you have to get on the Sherman Mitten, which requires merging. And I, I, I'll just say I probably could have gotten into the right lane a little sooner than I chose to. And my wife was right. And I found out, as Roman said a couple of weeks ago, I am not perfect. Is that the first step, Roman, of sharing God's great grace? Is saying I'm not perfect. It's difficult because sometimes we live up here where we're the ones with the righteousness and the holiness and the goodness which God does see in us if we have accepted Christ. But we live up here, and then we live as though others, especially when they don't merge soon enough, are living down here. Because some of us don't merge soon enough, do we? Sometimes. So it turns out that with forgiveness, like pregnancy, you can't forgive someone more or less. It doesn't work like that. We have to share the grace that God has given us. This morning, uh, Melissa Todd is going to share a testimony of the transforming work 
of sharing God's forgiveness, of, of giving the grace that we've received. But a couple of signs I want to share with you guys before Melissa shares in detail. Her testimony really highlights the third, the third sign that you're not sharing forgiveness. When we, when we do not forgive, we might notice some of the following. We might notice, number one, that we're not forgiven. We talked about this last April. We studied the unforgivable sin. We'll read it together here in Matthew and later in Mark. In Matthew 6, 14, Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will, say it with me, church, will also forgive you. Now, there's, a, there's some sing-along here coming in just a second. But if you do not forgive others their sins, sing along with me, church, your Father will not forgive your sins. So Jesus makes it crystal clear for us, one of those signs that maybe we're not sharing the grace we've been given or the forgiveness that we have been given is that we are not forgiven. We're not. We just live unforgiven. Another sign, our prayers aren't heard. So a second sign that you're living without sharing the forgiveness that we've been given. John writes, dear friends, if our conscience doesn't condemn us, we can boldly look to God and receive from anything we ask. We receive it because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Or Peter writes it this way, husbands in a similar way, live with your wives with understanding since they are weaker than you are. Honor your wives as those who share God's life-giving kindness so that nothing, look at this, something can interfere. Something can interfere or hinder our prayers. And it's the way that you live with your wife if you treat her harshly, men. When Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, remember he teaches them how to pray, and then he says this after he teaches them how to pray. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against any, that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So Jesus is telling us also that our prayers will not be heard, that we will not be forgiven. Two signs that we are living in a more or less forgiving way, which is not a fully devoted follower of Christ. That's more of like an everyday person. That's more like the Christian looks more like the culture than they do like the Christ. And we want to look like Jesus. Our third, and Melissa, if you want to come up and grab your mic, what are the consequences of our unforgiveness? Number one, we're not forgiven. Number two, our prayers aren't heard. Number three, our heart is hardened. Our heart is hardened, like bitterness takes root, and it's almost garden time. Some of you have started seedlings. It's almost garden time. You know how important a root is. The writer of Hebrews says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled." This any root of bitterness, the Hebrew writer also says in Hebrews chapter 3, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. This is what a root of bitterness can bring into our lives. Jesus teaches that by, by a fruit, a tree will be recognized. He, 
He says in Matthew chapter 7, you'll recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So if our root, if the Lord gets to examine our hearts, if our root is not forgiveness, if our root is not graciousness, then the writer of Hebrews says, we have an unbelieving heart that can lead us to fall away. Jesus says, we cannot be forgiven. Melissa is going to share with us uh, this morning, I would say, most of what she shared with me at our family picnic last September. And I would encourage you to listen to see if there's anything that sounds familiar from her story to your story. Good morning. I know I want to have lots of good fruit in my life and get rid of the bad, yucky fruit. I've had plenty of bad, yucky fruit in my life. I wanted to just share a little bit of a testimony that has been so impactful for me. And um, over the last year and a half, God has done amazing things in my life. And I've been a believer my whole life, um, grew up in the church know the Word of God pretty well. I really tried to serve Him and do what was right. Um, but I found that I wasn't applying the Word of God correctly. I wasn't understanding it quite right, and I wasn't applying it to my heart. Because it has to be applied. We have to be, we can't just be hearers of the Word, but we have to be doers of the Word. And when when we really, truly understand what's in the Word of God, then it becomes part of who we are if we allow it to. And so I had to recognize a lot of thoughts, a lot of behaviors that I had that didn't really line up with the Word of God. You know, things are that are more like little sins. That God says that He loves us, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He loves us so much. We're blessed. He's created us. He's called us. He's chosen us. And I've had times where I'm critical of myself, where I don't believe those truths at all. I think that I'm not good enough or that I'm worthless. Or maybe I'm living in fear, and that's not right either. What is not in faith is sin. And to know to do good and not do it is sin also. So... As I saw that, I didn't love myself how God wanted me to love myself. I really didn't truly love myself. I didn't really truly like myself a whole lot. There were some things that I liked, but not really deep down. And we're supposed to. God made us. He's so excited about us. We're beautiful. You're beautiful. You are his creation. He designed you. He has a purpose for you. And he is so glad that you are here. We have seen transformation in our family. Um, for me, personally, 
Um, and it's not just forgiveness. However, I have to forgive myself and forgive others. But it's also other things and recognizing that they didn't line up with God's word. And my daughter told me I could share her testimony. She's so sweet. She's nine. And she was eight at the time. But we teach our kids this stuff. And they have learned, really learned how to forgive. And she said that I used to hate one of my brothers. She used to hate one of them. So I would think and say all sorts of nasty things about him. They would fight and they would argue. Um, He would hit her, and they were always coming to me, complaining about something, and it was really just kind of nasty. But she says now, she says, I love my brother. I love spending time with him, and I don't have that hate in my heart anymore or unforgiveness. I can forgive now, and it's so impactful. You want to see our kids get along, and they do fight and argue sometimes, but it is nothing like it used to be. It's more just little petty things and stuff like that. And I've like my son, who who it hit sometimes when he was mad. That's that stopped, you know. And so the kids are getting along better. All of them, all of our relationships are being restored. My marriage is being restored. Um, and. We are just seeing that we are different people as we are applying God's word and getting rid of all that yuck in our lives, because truly that's what it is. And my relationship is also being restored with God, knowing who I am in Christ, and being restored to myself. What God really says about me, that's what I'm believing. That's how I'm walking now. That's how I'm acting before, I didn't think or act like God thought I was amazing. He thinks you're amazing, too. We need to walk and talk and act like we are amazing. I used to have a lot of social kind of fear and anxiety um, and, and worry about things. You know, fear, the Bible says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He talks about not fearing over 300 times. And if we're walking in fear, we know to do good and not do it, or what is in, not in faith is sin. I was walking in sin when I was worried or when I was afraid of what other people would think of me, or maybe I was worried about being rejected by people or that they would criticize me. So I had to repent of that. I had to repent of all those things where I wasn't loving myself, where I wasn't loving other people or loving God, or maybe I had rejected God's word by not believing his word and his truth. I was rejecting that. I was rejecting God, the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he became flesh, and he dwelt among us. That's Jesus. I was rejecting Jesus. I was rejecting God. I couldn't do that anymore. That was wrong. So I had to repent of that. So what I've, I have kind of a few steps, and they're very similar to what Chris has shared um, before. I just have different words for them, I guess. But um, I had to recognize that I sinned. You know, recognize that maybe it was bitterness or maybe it was fear. And I had to repent of that and ask forgiveness. 
And, um, and then I do an extra step because I don't want to have anything to do with that evil in my life. As we sin and do things that Satan has in mind for our lives, we're really following his kingdom and his direction. And I didn't want anything to do with that. So I wanted to remove it from my life in Jesus' name. Forgiveness really goes hand in hand with, with love, with God's love and his incredible love for us. And we have, to, we have to know we are loved and receive his love and acceptance and forgiveness, um, kind of for us to be able to forgive. Um, yes, we uh, have to forgive so we can be forgiven. But it really goes hand in hand because God doesn't forgive us without loving us first. And so we need to be secure in our relationship with, with God and know that we are his beautiful children, his precious children. So I want to go back to Jesus and the story of God coming here and what he did for us and his grace for us. And so the word was God. He spoke everything into being. Jesus spoke everything. He was there at creation. He was God. But yet they had a plan for us, right? Because they love us so much. They didn't want to see us dying in our sins and being miserable. I found so much peace and joy in my life that I never had before because I've been renewed and because I've been forgiven. And so Jesus chose to come. He didn't have to, but he came as a little baby. He was born homeless didn't even have a home. He was born in a stable. Barns are gross. The animals are cute, but they're dusty. They're stinky. They're no place for having a baby. And he was completely reliant on his human parents to take care of him. Jesus had diapers. He uh, made the choice to wear diapers and come here and be cleaned and taken care of by his parents. I think that's incredible love because I sure wouldn't choose to do that. That'd be terrible. And his, he started his, his ministry and he had the disciples who were his dearest companions as he got older and they were his best friends. He was with them all the time. They cared for each other. They talked about each other and to each other and they slept together and they ate together. These were people that they trusted one another. But then we move forward to his death, and people who were once shouting his praises for him, seeing his miracles, maybe even they experienced one of the miracles, and they were then condemning him to the cross and wanting him killed. There were soldiers who were gambling for his clothes, one of the other people up on the cross was even making fun of him and mocking him. 
And all the disciples, except for a couple, left Jesus. Of course, we know Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. But, and then the other two only followed at a distance. In his time where he needed his friends the most, they weren't there for him. Sometimes we see that our friends, when we need them the most, aren't always there for us. Or maybe we expect something of somebody. They're not always there. But Jesus forgave them. When Jesus was on that cross, he saw us and he remembered. He thought of us too because our sins put him there. It wasn't those people who were physically there, but he loved us and he thought about, you know, him and God when they were making everybody, when they were talking about everybody. In Psalm 139, 13 through 18, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts concerning me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. We are to count them. They would outnumber the grains of sand. God, Jesus, sounds to me like they've been excitedly waiting for us. For those people who are there, they've been waiting for us. They want to know us, have a relationship with us, talk with us, walk with us, be with us. And Jesus up on that cross, he was remembering. He was remembering being with God and talking about all of us, all those people there, knitting them together. He was knitting. He's thinking, oh, this one's going to be so smart. They are going to be strong, so creative. I can't wait to see what they make. This one's going to just love animals. Oh, and good with numbers. This one will be a mathematician. Oh, and I can't wait to see what this person is going to write. They're going to be such a good writer. Oh, and a generous heart, a leader. What a beautiful voice they will have. Oh, and so artistic, a great teacher. This one is going to be such a great mother. Oh, and what a wonderful father. I cannot wait to meet them. So Jesus hanging there. And he's seen these people, and these tear the people who nailed him on the cross, his friends who left him, the people who are yelling and condemning and being mean, and he separated them. He said, this is the person who I made. You people, I see the person I made. I don't see your sin. Your sin is this other yucky stuff over here. And he separated them from their sin. He said, this is who you really are. Yeah, you're following the enemy's plan right now. You're following evil. You're sinning. You're doing wrong things. You're following Satan's plan for your life. But that's not you. That's not who you really are. You are this beautiful person who I made, and I'm going to die. I'm waiting for you to come up and out of that yuck and come back to life. And so he was on that cross, 
And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We don't always know our sin. We don't always understand it. And even I think when we identify it, we don't recognize how yucky or how detrimental it really is for us and for our relationships with ourselves and with others. But that is such a picture of humility and love and forgiveness. As Christ was there as that perfect example, he came as our example. I mean, not only for the forgiveness and redemption, but to be our example so we could see what we're supposed to be like. And forgiveness takes humility. We have to set our pride aside. In fact, we have to realize that the Bible says that pride's not right. And we have to set that aside. I had to do that in my life. Say, God, forgive me of this pride. That's not right. I repent of it. I renounce that pride. And I'm going to choose to be humble. And I'm going to choose to forgive. And we all need to do that. We need to be humble like Christ was and forgive. And we need to love with his love. The Bible says, my ch- the world will know you are my disciples by your love. We need to love ourselves. We need to love one another. We need to love God. And we need to act like we love each other. If we're not sure what that looks like, we need to talk to God and reflect on our lives. And we really, what I saw in my life is I knew so many verses in my head. I knew, you know, for God so loved the world and God is love and all these wonderful things. Oh, yeah, I know God loves me. But I didn't know it in my heart. I didn't feel his love in my heart. And that has been so transforming and life-changing feeling his love for me deep down in my heart all the time. It feels so good to be loved. We're all loved, every single one of us. The love doesn't change. There's nothing that you can do that separates you from the love of God. When we forgive someone and when, when somebody does something to us, it feels like it's a debt that they owe us, like they took something from us. And we don't always like that. We want repayment for that debt. But instead, God asks us to cancel that debt. And, and so we, we need to forgive. We need to remember They are not their sin, and you are not your sin. You are not your sin. It might be something you're doing. It might be some thoughts that you need to change or some behaviors that you need to change, but you are not your sin. You are a beautiful, amazing person that's called by God. Forgiveness is releasing somebody to God or the debt that you feel that they owe. In James 4, 11 through 12, it says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother judges his brother. Um, Sorry. Speaks evil of the law and judges the law. 
But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge one another? What I saw in my life when I was choosing not to forgive, because forgiveness is a choice. It might not always feel like it. It might be really hard. It is hard, especially when you're hurt really deep by someone that's close. Or maybe someone just, you're on repeat. They keep doing something and keep doing something, and we go back to that 70 times 7. But what I saw in my life is what I was deciding. Oh, well, I'm not going to forgive them. Or, oh, well, this says this in your word. Well, I'm not doing that, so I'm going to be the judge on what's right or what's wrong. I do not have the authority to make the decision on if how I think about myself or what I'm afraid of or if I forgive somebody is right or not. God is the authority. He is the one who's written this. Forgiveness does not mean that what the other person did was right. It only means that you're releasing the other person. You're giving them to God. And it doesn't mean that if you're in a harmful situation that you ignore it. You might need to do something about it or get out of it or whatever it may be. But forgiveness does not mean that, the, that it's okay. It means that you are releasing them and let God make the decision on that. Because it's God. Unforgiveness starts small. It starts with just the choice. Oh, they offended me. I can't believe it. Do I forgive or do I not forgive? That's our choice right then and there. But what I found sometimes is, is I'll start kind of getting a list in my head, you know, of all those things that they did. Oh, I can't believe that they did this or, oh, they did that again. They know I don't like that. I cannot believe that they would do that. Oh, this, once again, why is this even coming up again? And so it's kind of like this list is going there. And if you are here in a list, it might be a good indicator that you've not truly forgiven, that maybe you've gone into bitterness. So it has seven levels, and it starts out with unforgiveness, and we have a choice from there, forgive or not forgive. And then if we don't forgive, and it kind of as we go up this, it gets yuckier and yuckier and yuckier, yuckier as we let that root grow and fester. So unforgiveness goes to resentment, which is just kind of not feeling good about someone or the situation, just kind of a ick kind of feeling. And then it goes to retaliation. I want to make them feel as bad as they made me feel. Maybe it's a cold shoulder. Maybe it's silent treatment. Maybe it's saying something nasty, whatever it may be. And then it goes up into anger and then hatred. And if you're seeing any of those things, you're like, oh, man, this happens, and I just get angry right away. Well, if you're, up, if you're starting, feels like you're starting at anger, that means that there's a root that's not been totally pulled out. And we've got to consider what other things might be there that maybe we've let that resentment and retaliation grow. And so one thing happened, and you're just angry. But anger and hatred, you're starting to get kind of physical feelings. A little bit of, you know, maybe your heart's going or maybe your blood pressure or something like that. Whereas resentment and retaliation are kind of maybe more in your head, I guess you could say. 
And then if we don't address that at that point, it goes up to violence, and that could be physical violence. Like I mentioned, one of my kids was hitting the, hitting the other one. Or it could be violence with the tongue, um, just saying nasty things, mean, condescending, hateful, maybe spiteful. Um, and also, if you have a role play going in your head of all the terrible things that you're thinking about them, well, that's, you're really meditating on that, and you have violent thoughts. I mean, that really is what that is. We can be tempted, but if something's just ongoing and ongoing and ongoing, there's probably unforgiveness there. And then the final stage is murder, and that can be physical, or most often it is, it's going to be verbally being violent, or, you know, I hate you, I wish you never lived, um, or it could be just trying to sever the relationship, getting rid of the relationship. Oh, I'm, I'm going to leave this place because so-and-so's there and I don't want to be around them anymore. Or I'm going to move away. I'm going to delete them off of social media. Um, whatever that may be, you no longer want to have any relationship with them is what that is. And these things also go towards yourself. How do you feel about yourself? Do you maybe have resentment towards yourself? I know I did. I had more towards myself than I had towards anybody else. Hatred, anger, violence. Towards yourself, murder would be, I wish I never lived. I'm not good enough would be more like violence maybe, but um, just what's going on in your head? What's that role playing in your head because we are to set our thoughts on things above in Philippians 4 8 it says finally brethren whatever things are true whatever things are honest whatever things are just whatever things are pure whatever things are lovely whatever things are of good report if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If we have thoughts that aren't lining up with those things, it said, think on these things. That's a command. Think on these things. What are we thinking on that's not those things? I had so much. I feel like a different person now because I've gotten rid of so many thoughts that didn't line up with the Word of God. So much peace in my life and joy. I have confidence in myself because I'm who God made me to be. I'm acting like it now. I'm thinking like it now. I'm not perfect. I'm still battling with things, but I'm such a different person. So what I do when I recognize any sin or, like, say, bitterness, I recognize it. And I say this stuff out loud. I like to say it out loud, and I don't want to have anything to do when I'm sinning, when I'm with the devil's plans for my life. I want to renounce that. I do not want anything to do with that other kingdom. I'm tired of that in my life. I'm tired of not being me, not being confident, not being who God made me to be. You are all called by God, and you are all special and amazing and blessed and wonderful. So what I do is I recognize it. Say I recognize, say, I see retaliation and resentment. 
I recognize retaliation and resentment in my life, and I repent and I renounce participating with unforgiveness, resentment, and retaliation. And then I ask for forgiveness, and I receive my forgiveness. So, Father, I ask you would forgive me for unforgiveness, resentment, and retaliation, and I receive your forgiveness. I say it. I want my, I want my heart and my head to know I receive that forgiveness because he does forgive us right away. He says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because sometimes guilt and shame get in there. They say, oh, you're bad. You're a terrible person. Oh, you didn't do that right. Oh, God probably didn't really forgive you for that. Are you sure? Well, yeah, maybe I mess up and I go do it again and I have to do the process over again. But God loves us. He forgives us right away. He really does. And so I ask for forgiveness and then I do one more step because I don't want to have anything to do with that evil and I remove it. And I just say in Jesus' name, I remove unforgiveness and resentment and retaliation from my life. I say, thank you, God. Thank you for redeeming me. Help me to resist this temptation. And then I have to wash my mind with the word. That has been so impactful too. Not only... Um, not only the repentance bit, because that's what I didn't know. I didn't realize that there were so many things in God's word. It, was, it felt like maybe more suggestions before. And I didn't realize that by me not doing them, that it was totally wrong. It really was. Because to know to do good and not do it is sin. So I just want to encourage you because God's love is so important. And I want you to know that in his word, he says that you are his workmanship created to do good works. You are safely kept. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has more precious thoughts about you than the sand his love is unfailing and enduring. He is our refuge, never present help in time of trouble. God loves imperfect people. We're not perfect. He knows it. He loves us so much, even with all those imperfections, because he sees that beautiful person that he knows that he made. He sees that. That other stuff is just baggage we're carrying around. <laughs> And so I think that's, that's all I have to share. But I thank you for listening and being here. And uh, I'll turn it over to Chris. Thank you, Melissa. Melissa's going to lead us in a prayer in just a moment. <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer, a little bit interactive, though, because we'll pause for a moment to apply what we've heard today to our hearts and our lives. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 7, Jesus is addressing just what we're talking about today, more or less. And someone is doing more forgiving and someone's doing less. See, he's, a, he's invited to a Pharisee's house 
for lunch. But he's invited for lunch because that Pharisee probably just wants to interview him and get an angle on him and show him how he's wrong. But somebody else shows up. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclined at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering him, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50 denarii. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss from the time I came in. She has not ceased to kiss even my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Brothers and sisters, today we have to ask our questions whether we're trying to forgive more or less, whether we're sharing grace more or less, whether we're experiencing the freedom and the transformation of our hearts and lives like Melissa shared this morning, whether we are being drawn to the heart of God or whether we're walking around like everyday people who have no idea what it's like to live surrendered lives to a Lord who expects our obedience and expects us to share the grace we've so freely been given. I'm going to have you come back and do the Lord's Prayer. And when she's done with the Lord's Prayer, um, it's my hope that for those of you that want to talk to Melissa, she'll be up here. I'll be up here. And maybe some of you want to give your life to Christ for the first time. You don't have any of the hope that we've talked about today. You don't have any way of dealing with the sin that you have in your heart, in your life. And you're just sitting there realizing, I'm just full of bitterness and have no way to get rid of the bitterness that is in my heart. There's a forgiveness available through our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's eternal life available. There's peace and hope that Melissa's referred to, but only by your submitting to Him and saying, He's my Lord. And if you'd like to come forward, we'll talk about that this morning. If you don't have a church home and you're looking for one, we believe that we're a we believe that we're a family of God that follows the Bible first. If you have questions about doing that, you're welcome to come to the front. If you just want to pray this morning, I know Melissa has, she prayed with me when she shared this testimony. Melissa would be more than willing to pray with you this morning, as would I, about any bitterness or unforgiveness that you're harboring in your hearts this morning. Melissa, would you like to lead us? 
So I really love the Lord's Prayer. Not that I use it real often, but it is such a great example. I mean, Jesus told us this. He is our example, and he gave us the best prayer that we can probably pray. Not that we need to say these exact words, but it's a great format and a great layout for how we should pray. We're praying to God in heaven. He is holy. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. We want his kingdom here. God, put your kingdom in my heart and in my life. That's what I want. That's what I want to see. Make this world like your kingdom on, in heaven as it is in earth. Provide for us. Father, forgive me, and I'll forgive those who I need to forgive. And lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. And so I would like for everybody to stand. And I know that we have memorized all sorts of different versions of the Lord's Prayer, and that's totally fine. We don't need to say it together. It doesn't need to sound beautiful. But what I would like is for you to say it to God, to focus on God and to speak these words and hopefully mean them from your heart. And what we're going to do that's a little different or very different is we have forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So as we forgive our debtors, we're going to stop there. And I'm going to give you a minute to reflect on your heart and maybe you've recognized some people that you need to forgive. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Or maybe you need to forgive God. God loves us. He doesn't do terrible things to us. We don't understand God or God's plans. So if you see some of that, we're going to stop at that point, And I'll give you a minute to put this into action and to, to forgive. It's always good to say it out loud, but forgive and repent to God. So whatever version you know or learned, or if you don't know it, just kind of word it and follow along, or maybe you say it in your heart, if, if that sounds like something that you would, would want to say. Just say it how you know it. Here we go. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So I'll give you a minute. Let's continue. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.